this morning. Expect that God will speak to you. Expect that something will occur to you that will, will, will bring speed into your life. In this season of acceleration, uh, God will bring tremendous speed into your life in the name of Jesus. Uh, let me start out this morning by asking the question. That what are your expectations? What are the things that if you look back, assume today is December 31st, 2014, and you would say, truly I've enjoyed the help of God in the area of speed. What are those kind of things that must happen in your life? Because that's where we start from. What, what, what are those kind of things? How do you define your own speed? When you think about acceleration, what comes to mind? You know, I've been sharing about vision a lot. Last Sunday I shared about vision boosters, the things that help our vision, you know, to come to fruition. But we, we, we need to put things in perspective. What does speed mean to you? What does it mean to you? In which area of life do you require divine assistance? Somebody may say, Pastor, uh, you're overflogging this thing. I need him everywhere. All right, I agree. But, you know, there are certain areas that if some things actually happen, you, you, you will reckon without any shadow of doubt that this must be God. That's what I'm talking about. So you look back from December, look, you know, the, the second half of this year, and you say, this can only have been God. That's, that's how we measure real acceleration. When Elijah had run the chariot of Ahab in 1 Kings 18 or so, uh, um, it wasn't a matter of maybe, maybe he was a good sprinter. Everyone knew that this could only have been God. Looked at the five, teaching this morning what I've titled Partnership for Speed. Partnership for Speed. There's always a need for partnership. If you gain speed in different areas of life, Luke chapter 5, and I'll read from verse 1. We're looking at partnership for speed. In this season of acceleration, we need to re-examine how well we're focusing on our partnership with God. Partnership for speed. In this passage of the scripture, we see a man that has some measure of expectation. And his expectation seemed to have been dashed. And then God, God came in with partnership. And something changed. And in this passage of the scripture, you see what I've said all through this month. That God can collapse five years into one year for someone. Are you still with me today? That God can collapse one year into two months for someone. Into one month for someone. What would take someone one year to achieve? He can achieve in one month. We'll see that in this passage of the scripture. Luke chapter 5, and I'll read from verse 1. Partnership for speed. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats which was Simon's, and asked him to pull out a little from the land. And he sat down and took the multitude from the boat. Verse number four. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. I'm emphasizing that for a purpose. I'm coming back to it. 
and let down your nets for a catch. Verse number five. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Singular. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Their net was breaking. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. This was a situation of a miracle overtaking someone. Verse number 8. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so all, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch fish. Sorry, catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all. Somebody say all. Or can you say it again? Say all. They forsook all and followed him. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Say it better. Amen. Amen. We see in this passage of the scripture how God can show up in the life of a man, the God of acceleration, and just collapse perhaps one year into one day. And when God showed up in the life of Simon here, you know, just like I said, Simon started to confess sins that he has not, <laughs> that he had not committed. Depart from me. Because he was so astonished. Even the people around him knew that this kind of a thing can only happen by the hand of God. So this is not ordinary. This is not by chance. This is something that has been orchestrated by the hand of God. There are certain things that will happen in the life of a man, life of a woman, that both you and onlookers will allude to the fact that this can only be by God. Am I saying the truth? That's when we see the manifestation of the hand of the God of acceleration. When a super comes on your natural, and then you see a supernatural act. But God is always in the habit of wanting to move in this manner, in the life of his people. See how he just showed up. Showed up at the lake of Gennesaret. And the Bible says he, he, he just he saw two boats, went into one, and they happened to be the one that belonged to Simon Peter. And he got in the boat and gave a simple instruction. Push back a little into the water. I want to use your boat. That's, that, that was where the partnership started from. I want to use your boat uh, for kingdom business for my divine assignment. Now, the sense behind it was that the multitude was there. When Jesus would pull, I mean, the boat would pull back into the water a little more. In those days, they didn't have the luxury of, um, you know, microphone, whether headset or handheld or, 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 or cord microphone, nothing. 
but they still wanted some kind of amplification of the voice. So when you speak across on water, what happens is that, you know, echo, it will take it and amplify it to the people. So uh, Jesus took the boat of Peter in partnership, using what belonged to Peter to do kingdom business. There's a big question there, though. What do you have that God is using right now? That's a big question. Does he use your time? Does he use your resources? Does he use anything at all that belongs to you? Does he use your voice? Because he may not have anything physical. But he can use your voice. Can your hand become the hand of God when you lay it on the sick? Because the Bible says they shall lay hand on the sick and they shall recover. What do you have that God is using? Because God wants to come into partnership with us. And, you know, when we taught 8 deep blessing in the month of April, I emphasized the fact that God does not like casual relationships. He said, because you are neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. He doesn't like casual relationships. That's why God emphasizes covenant, covenant, covenant. Covenant simply means an agreement, a binding agreement. Even the Bible is partitioned into two. We have the old and the new covenant. Testament, covenant, the same word. Agreement, contract. God always wants to move things from the realm of being casual to the realm of being tight. So we come into specific arrangement, agreement. Come into partnership. So that I can come into your boat and there won't be any argument because we're partners. I will stay together. That's what partners do. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. So I, I, I just come into your boat because what belongs to you belongs to me. I come into your boat and I have a few days, I just do my stuff and I can move on. But God's kind of partnership, especially when we talk about partnership for speed, is that God wants to use that which belongs to you and he wants to recompense with, 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 with something you know, seriously different from perhaps what you are even expecting. That's, that was what happened here. Uh, it's the kind of blessing that when it comes upon your life, Everything changes. As in, Peter didn't have to doubt whether it was God or not. Because when, when, when you begin to see yourself as a sinner in front of someone, when, when, when Saul of Tarsus in the Acts of the Apostles was knocked down on the way to, I think, Damascus or so, they didn't have to tell him was God that knocked him down. The next question he asked is, who are you, Lord? A voice came and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, I'm God. Though. He said, why are you persecuting me? And the man said, who are you, God? Because he must be a God that will knock me down like this and take my eyesight. Everything happened, bam, bam, bam. You know, something's happened in life. You don't need anybody to interpret it to you to say God is involved in this. You just get the gist without any, yeah. <laughs> and you behave. Because from that point, Saul started to behave himself. So Simon saw here and he saw the hand of God and he knew this must be God. This must be God. And this is God showing up in partnership for speed. And I've come this morning to declare over someone here. Someone here. I hear it so strong in my heart. That it's an end to slavery in your life. Now, when I mean slavery, uh, what it means to uh, you may be different from what it means to your neighbor. Someone here is in corporate slavery. And God said, I'm coming 
as the God of acceleration into your life, breaking the hold of corporate slavery. Somebody here may be indebted, heavily indebted. The Bible says the borrower is a servant to the lender. When the God of acceleration comes into your life, it breaks the hold of slavery over your destiny. You just find out that all of a sudden, you come out of indebtedness. And before you know it, you are empowered to do stuff that you couldn't do before. That's how the God of acceleration moves. Death that will take someone five years, ten years to pay. When the God of acceleration comes into your life, it knocks them down. Bam, bam, six months, you are gone. I'm telling you the truth. I've seen it before. Someone here, you may have a burden on, on, on your head as I speak now. Heavy stuff that you don't even know how, how, how to get out of it. When the God of acceleration comes into the life of a man, a mortgage that's supposed to be paid for 20 years, you pay it in two years. You pay it in five years. And you come out clean. Are you still with me this morning? Or say, believe in amen if you do. So that God of acceleration came in here for partnership in the life of, of, of Simon Peter. And, you know, you just see many things happening, you know, many things happening. And I want to bring out a few things that happened here uh, in this partnership. And how we partner with God for speed and the things that we need to be aware of. Peter had a successful partnership with Jesus because he avoided some deal breakers. Because when it comes to partnership with God, God wants to partner with all of his children. God is never happy when anyone that has a covenant with him is in slavery or is living in not enough or is struggling. Because some people just think that God loves it when we have to struggle. I say in the, in, in the first service that God wants to always bring us into a place of rest. I'm, I'm going to get into that, you know, in, in, in a brief moment. But let, let's look at these deal breakers. When it comes to partnership with God, for our partnership with God to work, we need to be aware of these deal breakers. The first one I want to talk about is disobedience. 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 The fact that partnership with God can be messed up when we live in disobedience. In fact, from the story of Peter, you see some measure of of obedience, but also you see some partial obedience and the repercussion of partial obedience in the life of Peter. Jesus came and chose to partner with Peter and is always looking out for us, really. Wherever you may be right now in your career, in your business, God is always looking out for a boat to use. He's always looking out for someone that he can use. He's always looking out for someone who, who is ready to partner with him one way or the other. Someone on, on his mind, he can drop a vision, drop a dream, or, you know, create some awareness and, and just help you to step out. That's, he's always looking out for that. He's always looking out for that. And um, for some people here this morning, you may even have been forced to church. But because you are here this morning, God is coming to partnership with you. Amen. I say better amen. amen. When Jesus approached Peter, pull back your boat. I want to use it. The first thing Peter did was to just obey. No, no problem at all. But Peter didn't only obey and came into church as it were because when Jesus stepped into his boat, he was ready to preach. 
I was preaching this message I'm preaching this morning. Partnership, partnership for speed. That I can bring speed into the life of a man. Jesus sat in Peter's boat and preached to the multitude. Peter sat in the boat with, with Jesus. He had the option of leaving him. I've done what you want me to do. Pull the thing into the water and then I, off I go. Some people will never wait to share grace in church at any time. No benediction. Peter stayed in the boat with him. He preached his message. He finished his message. Then he had the option of taking the next instruction. Are you still with me this morning? And the next instruction was, bring out your nets and spread them out for a catch. And Peter said one thing. He said, we have toiled all night and we have caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, we will. But he did something. Jesus said, bring out your nets. Cast your nets. Peter said, nevertheless, at your word, we'll bring out the net. You know, what, what, another thing he did was that the net that he brought out was the one that has been weather beaten. Because the Bible says the net started to break. Net. One. Some people here, God gives instructions. Two, three instructions. Do this, do that, do that. And you just pick and choose what is convenient. Maybe because your faith is not strong enough. But you don't know how much God wants to do until you can walk in full obedience. Look at what partial obedience brought into the life of Peter. A net-breaking, boat-sinking miracle. But it was still partial obedience. Now, imagine if it was full obedience. They were washing their nets. Jesus said, cast your nets. He said, we will cast our nets. And then he, he, he sent one out. And here we are. The net breaking, boat sinking miracle. And we see the effect of obedience, albeit partial. Now you can imagine if you obey every instruction that God will give you. The big question I want to ask this morning is that, do you position yourself for instruction? Or is your mind made up on your decision-making patterns? Because some people don't even pray about... You, you don't even know how to segment things that are important and things that are not important. I know some, some, some Christians go overboard. You know, you want to leave home in the morning. God, should I wear black suit or blue? What's God's business in that? Truly. Even though we've had testimonies before. I mean, I've had one testimony before of a lady that prayed before she left home in the morning. Lord... Should I wear this red dress or this blue dress? And she said she felt that God said she should wear the blue dress. And then, right there, she got on the road. And all of a sudden, there was a case of missing identity, maybe kidnappers or something. And the person they were supposed to pick was supposed to be in red. But she was in blue. You know, something like I've had all kinds, I've been saved for many years. So I've had all kinds of testimonies. Some testimonies. All types, all kinds. I've had all kinds, real testimonies, made up testimonies, all sorts. I've, I've, been, I've been around for long. All right? <laughs> but I'm saying that some things don't matter. But some things matter. By the time you get to the point where you really want to make serious decisions in life and the way you position yourself 
God cannot reach you to instruct you. You cannot maximize your partnership with God that way. Is somebody stay with me this morning? So that you still here this morning. Some people are positioned for instructions. Some people are not. The way you, are, you are package your life, God knows that even if he speaks, you won't listen. There's no point. You practically have made up your mind on how you want to run your life. You cannot enjoy partnership for speed that way. It's only a fool that does not change his mind. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You could even have made up your mind on what you want to do. But if only you will pause and ask God, but God, what do you think in this situation? I'm willing to just wait and see a signal from you or just, or just hear you out or something. Or just God, or simple prayer. God, order my steps. Just direct me. Direct me. I just want you to have your way. That's how to partner with God. What's the use of a partnership where you are recalcitrant and where God cannot reach you and give you instruction? Because we can go on this month and accelerate, accelerate, and somebody will come back in the same and say, there's no acceleration. Are you, have you been living in disobedience? If your answer is yes, there can't be acceleration. And hear me, and hear me very well. Hear me very well. There can't be acceleration. First Samuel chapter 15, when verse 23, it says, for rebellion is, is as the sin of witchcraft. God sees rebellious people as witches. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. These were words directed to the first king of Israel. His name, Saul. God sent him out. Go, destroy the Amalekite. Spare nothing. Do all that I'm saying. Then Saul went, did his own stuff, killed what he wanted to kill, brought back some, and then the prophet Samuel went there in First Samuel uh, 15 here and told Saul, what, what's the noise I'm hearing? God said you shouldn't spare. I'm hearing the breathing of sheep, you know, and all that. Where are these from? And Saul said, we brought them back to make sacrifice to our God. But you had when he said, don't spare anything. And then this word came here in, in, in verse 23. God used Samuel to address him. To say, look, the way I see disobedience, I see it as witchcraft. You know the way I see stubbornness? I see it as iniquity and idolatry. That means you have another God. When you get into stubbornness. When God. Lord and master. That's what we call him. If it's really Lord and master. It means that we only have one response to him. And that's yes. Yes. Yes Lord. Amen everyone. That's, that's our answer. If it's truly Lord and master. You don't call somebody Lord and master. And then you begin to. You know. You think you can, you can do whatever you like. and The second reason why obedience is very important in partnering with God is that when you read Genesis chapter 1, you realize that God created man. And man's first full day on earth happened to be the day of rest. Because God created man on the sixth day and looked at the man and said, it's done a good job. And the next day, which was man's first full day, the Bible said, said God rested. The first knowledge of God that man will have is a God of rest, a God of peace, a resting God. That does not connote that God doesn't want us to pull our weight and do stuff in life. But we enter into his rest in the midst of pulling our weight and making things happen. So you are not going to be this kind of person like some people, I ask them, uh, so how are you doing? Uh, we're hustling. 
A man who is in partnership with God should not respond that way. You, are, you, you, you can't be the self-acclaimed chief hustler of Lagos State or something like that. That's the way some people just carry themselves. Because you just think it's by, by hustling. The Bible says the race is not to the swift. The Bible is not to the strong. Men of wisdom, they, they don't always win. But time and chance happen to them all, being at the right place at the right time. When the hand of God is upon your life, is you, you need to hustle, but it's all about your hustling. You are a product of grace, a byproduct of his mercy. You are a man of favor. Then you recognize that God created you for rest. I don't mean you sleep 24 hours. All right, so we're on the same page. But that there's rest in your heart. There's peace in your heart. That's what positions you for obedience. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 4. I read from verse 4 here. It says, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest in the same place. Look at that. The next verse says, since therefore it remains that some must enter and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. What draws the line from pe- for people uh, for them not to be able to enter into the rest of God is usually disobedience. Disobedience. But God's original intention that man is that man should enjoy rest. 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 Toiling never showed up until man disobeyed God in Genesis. Tilling is different from toiling. It's a till the ground so that it can bring forth. Toiling is tilling without productivity, all right? Working without result. That's, that's, that's toiling. When you till something, it brings forth. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the original intention of God. That was why man knew God the first day and was a God that was at rest. Praise God. I said praise God. Secondly, the second deal breaker, if you will partner with God, is pride. James chapter 4 verse 6, the B part, the Bible says God resists the proud and gives more grace to the humble. Peter obeyed God in that partnership story, but much more than obeying God, he had to put away his pride. You know, when Jesus told him, bring out your net. And I mean, Peter, Bible history has it that he was much older than Jesus. This was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus was just about 30. So you can imagine it was like a, a, a case of somebody just walking into your office, maybe a, a, a young school leaver or one NYSE guy, you know, NYSE. Uh, the National Youth uh, Service people, just walking, a fresh graduate, maybe you are, you are in the banking or as a senior manager, and you say, where's the manager? I want to see the manager. <laughs> and he said, you know I can, I can help you to make more money in this branch. And then you look at the guy. Okay, tell me, you need help, right? <laughs> That's what you tell him. You need a job. You need a placement. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is, that, is, is that your problem? I can sort you out. Don't waste my time. That was the kind of situation here. Peter had, had been fishing for long. Jesus had no expertise in fishing. If he had any expertise at all, it was in furniture making. 
Alright? So he showed up and told Peter, cast your net. And Peter looked at him. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. There's no fish here. There's no fish here. And this is, this is already morning. We have been toiling all night. And you don't fish at this time. Because of the reflection of the net into the water. And the fish will run away. They have already seen the net. The best time to fish was the time they had been there. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So Peter knew all the ethics of the profession. He knew the right and wrong. He's been doing it for long. He was an accomplished fisherman. With all the gadgets that he had, something should suggest to you that it was accomplished. Boats, you know, nets and all that. Other people working with him. And Jesus showed up and gave an instruction. Can you deal with your pride for the purpose of obeying God in partnership? That's what maximizes your partnership with God for you. The certain things God will tell you to do professionally, it may look like it doesn't make sense. Now, mind you, God will never tell you to do something that is illegal. But he can tell you to do something that looks like you know, that's not, strategy-wise, it's not correct. <laughs> you know, that you shouldn't, uh, maybe you, you're introducing a product and you say, no, you shouldn't introduce it that way. This is how we do it. We'll do a product launch. We'll do this, we'll do that. And God says, keep your money. Don't launch anything. Do this, do this, do this, and bam, this product will hit the market. I remember the testimony of a man shared in one of our uh, conferences back in the day at Desta, uh, um, who said, look, he got a new product, and he didn't have money for product launch or anything. You know, it was just like God, he was just praying. And then God told him, you know what? This was a long time ago. I'm sure a lot of people do that today. He said, God just told him, go to the markets. It was a fast-moving consumer group. I can't remember precisely. God said, go to the market, drop it at so-and-so places. And he said he went and dropped those things at certain shops. And you know what he did? When he got back to the office, <laughs> this, was, this is crazy. When he got back to the office, he, he said he told, um, he had an impression in his heart again, and he, he told some of his staff, go to those places and buy those things. <laughs> and then he went there, they bought all those things, and he said those people started to call them that they should bring more because the one they brought had been bought. And you know what happened? They took those things back there again, as in what they brought, what they bought, they brought to the office. When they called them, they took it back. Now, what happened? The game changer was this. People started to come in to ask for that kind of product, and they, the shopkeepers, were recommending their own product that was moving fast. That means it must be better than this other one. And that was how they hit the market. And everything just broke loose. <laughs> The man I was talking about never went to a business school, so he didn't understand strategy. I'm telling you. He could hardly string together a full sentence in English. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So this is not, this is not about, um, you know, God has strategies. And he can reveal it to you. If you will walk in obedience and then swallow your pride. Swallow your pride. Swallow your pride. Like one of my mentors said, pride is non-fattening, so you can swallow as much as possible. All right? Zero calorie. 
very low cholesterol. <laughs> so you can eat as much as it comes. Just, just, just swallow. Yeah, just take it in. Take it in. Take it in. Because when you are partnering with God, you must be mindful that God wants you to walk with him in humility. And humility does not mean to be docile. It only means power under control. I love, you know, this analogy. I've given it over and again. I'm going to do it again. See, how you know, differentiate. I mean, the, the, one, one of the greatest impression on my heart about humility is this analogy about a car. You know, get, get, get maybe a BMW or like we're discussing on Wednesday while uh, Fela was teaching. Uh, get, get a Formula One, maybe a Ferrari or something, or Mercedes. Very fast car. Maybe you love Formula One, you love fast cars. And then somebody just said, look, you have blessed my life so much. I want to bless you back. And they brought a Formula One car, uh, a speed car, a Ferrari or something, brought to your house. And then while you are still celebrating, hey, 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 I have the car of my dream. And the guy just said, but you know the only thing? Um, they, they forgot the brakes in Germany. You know, so, but, but you can have it all the same. And you can drive. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. What would you say? Get it behind me. Is that not what you would say? Say, I bind whatever spirit that's at work in your life that made you to bring this car to my house. Because <laughs> that's not a car. That's a coffin. All right? Because that's power without control. You crank that engine and you gas, you're on your own. Nera to the... Because you're actually really getting nearer. <laughs> that's a song that you should sing as you move. <laughs> Whatever the power of the engine of a car, without the brakes, the car becomes useless. It's a coffin. That's what a man looks like when you are so powerful and pride has eaten you up. You have power, but it's never under control. You cannot work with God that way. It leads to destruction. Truly, it will lead to destruction. Proverbs 16, verse 17. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Lastly, this morning, you really want to partner with God, and this is very serious. This is very serious. I'll spend a few minutes on this. This is really very serious. You really want to enjoy partnership for speed. You need to master greed. You need to master greed. If we're not here in April when I did HD Blessing, get a series, HD Blessing. Listen to it over and again. The purpose of HD Blessing series is is to destroy the power of greed over this congregation. You need to master greed. Peter was willing to partner with God and, you know, share the sport. That partnership was successful not just because Peter dealt with his professional pride and all that. When you read the last verse there in Luke chapter 1, uh, Luke chapter 5 and verse 11, the Bible says, after everything, it said, and they left all and they followed him. So whatever Jesus brought into the life of Peter did not become the God of Peter. He had no, I mean, he made no mistakes about who his God will be. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 
when you read from verse 1, God kept saying, I think from verse 7, God kept saying that when, I said, I'm, I'm taking you to a land, a good land, a land of, 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 of wheat and barley, a land of pomegranate, a land of, you know, of running water, of, of milk and honey and all that and all that. And he said, when you eat and you're full, don't forget the Lord your God. And that's why he said in verse 18, of Deuteronomy 18, that you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish what? The covenant, that partnership, that agreement. The purpose of wealth is not for personal aggrandizement. It's for partnership. God releases, brings us into partnership from time to time. And what makes this partnership to work is when we can master greed and break the hold of greed over our lives. Bible says, after all, boat sinking, net breaking miracle, they left all and they followed him. They left all and they followed him. That was why after Jesus preached a very hard message in the gospels, uh, where, where he told them, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have a part in me. And the Bible says that many of the disciples left. And then it was the same Simon that Jesus went to meet and said, will you also go? And he said, uh, where can we go? That we have left all to follow you. We've left all to follow you. Now, I, I, I do not mean that you should resign your job and come and resume at the Elevation Church tomorrow morning. No, that's not what I'm saying. All right, so we need to get that straight. All right, are we still together? Yeah, not, that's not what I'm saying. We have enough staff in the office. <laughs> Praise God, and we're doing our job well. This, what I'm saying is that you must be positioned in such a way. That God can see that you have mastered greed. That your confidence is not in material things. And that you are willing to walk away from them neat without any encumbrances. If the situation demands it. And we stay together. That's how we partner with God. That's how we partner with God. That's how we partner with God. Sometimes it's your whole life. Sometimes it's your possession. Sometimes it's... it's, it's it's a place. Sometimes it's a job. For the sake of fulfilling another vision. God says, leave this job. The future is not in any job. It's in a revelation from heaven. The future is never in any location. So if God said, leave Lagos, leave. We'll miss you in church, but you watch us on the internet. Maybe until we have a branch where you move to. Praise God. If we are led to do so. Alright? The future is not in any location. Somebody may be watching me on the internet now. You are struggling in UK. Come back home. <laughs> yeah. Come back home. The future is not in a location. It's in a revelation. What is God saying? Am I positioned to obey? Will I swallow my pride and walk with God in partnership? Will I deal with greed? And be open. To say all that I am and all that I have, they all belong to you. Somebody stay with me today. So that you stay with me today. Greed will finish any man, any day. It's a, it's, 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 you know, it's a trap of the devil. The truth is that the only way we demonstrate the love that we have for God is through liberality. It's true liberality. You cannot prove to me 
that you love God from your heart and you're struggling to pay tithe. I'm telling you the truth. It's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Forget about the argument of, you know, what the church will do with the money or whether the Old Testament said it or the New Testament said it. Do it. But I just, just even dare him. He said you should dare him. Do it. Do it. And if you have been here long enough, you know that we're accountable in this church. We don't spend God's money anyhow. But anyhow, do it. Do it for your sake. Not for the sake of the pastor. The way I've worked with God, personally, I will never need to depend on a man or an organization or an institution to survive for the rest of my life. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So, it's a line that has been drawn. So, it's not about... I have learned to both, like Paul said, to abound and to abase. All right? You put me in the desert, I survive. And put me in seven-star hotel, I'm good. Anyone, at any time, I'm okay. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's the vision. It's the, it's the assignment. It's what God has told us to do. When we get to heaven, some things will pave into insignificance. Some things will come into real focus. And God rewards us based on those things. And that's what we're focused on in this place. Praise God. I said praise God. So that's why we need to be mindful. The love, see, even in natural things, Stephen Harcovey wrote in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said, one of the habits of highly effective people, he said, it's first things first. All right? They asked Jesus in Matthew 22, which is the greatest of all the commandments. And he said, look, hear this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your might. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said, the first and the second, they are like the same. Now, what is your own definition of love for God? How do you show love to God? Is it just by worship? Praise and worship? Because God said, this is how I show love. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's how he shows love. That means if that's how he shows love... That's how he wants you to replicate that love primarily. You can do other things. I will say together. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus was speaking. He says, seek you first. First. See, whenever you see first. If you have an electronic Bible, you can go and look for first, first, first. Seek you first. God, when God says something is first, the things that matter most must not, never be at the mercy of the things that matter least. Or else, one will not have speed for destiny. You won't speed for your destiny, even in natural things. Priority, priority. A man of priority is a man of speed. And when we come into kingdom stuff, we need to be able to walk in priority the same way. What is important? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And God said, this is how I love. Love that way. I give. So stop all the argument and just follow and give. Simple. And demonstrate your love. And we say together this morning. Somebody felt like clapping, right? <laughs> Praise God. I made you clap so that I can sink in. Let's not pay lip service. And let's not allow greed to hold our heart. No. 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 Let God feel you. When God looks down from heaven, what will he remember about you? Especially in the times of how you show him love. What will he remember? What will he remember? 
Message translation, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, he said, Give God your first and your best. First and best. So that's how we honor him. Last day this morning, God told me that he's breaking the hold of slavery in this service. I don't know who you are, but God wants to break the hold of slavery. Two things are heavy on my mind. You are indebted or you are on a job that is not moving your life forward and you are stuck. The God of Bethel is a God that breaks the hold of slavery. In Genesis 28, Jacob was going to the house of Laban and he did not know he was going to end up in slavery. Laban happened to be his uncle and his father sent him, go and marry in your family house. And he got there and worked for Laban, worked for, the, for, for uh, um, what, uh, Rebecca, Rachel, all right, seven years, then another seven years, and then the man was just playing him. But while he was going in Genesis 28, he got to Bethel. He used a stone for pillow and slept. And if you have read out place in the Bible before, the Bible says he saw a vision, a ladder came down from heaven. Angels ascending and descending. He said, God was here, and I did, I did not know it. And at that point, he said, Lord, if you go with me as I'm going, and Come with me back here and I will come, you know, and I will have been multiplied. He said, I'll give you 10% of everything that you give me. Now, in Genesis 33, Jacob found himself in full-blown slavery, modern-day slavery. Laban was just treating him anyhow, changing his wages, doing all stuff. And at one point, Genesis 33, uh, 31 and verse 13, God showed up to Jacob. And what did he say? I am the God of Bethel. Where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Said, now I rise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. When God spoke in that Genesis 31, everything broke loose. Laban couldn't stop him. Nothing could stop him. Even Esau, that was after his life, became his party. That point, and what did God remember? I remember better. The place where you made a vow to say, I'll be faithful. And I will not allow greed to take me over. I don't have anything now, but if you prosper me as I go, I won't allow greed. Whatever you give me, I'll give you your portion back. That's how we partner with God for speed. That's how we partner with God for speed. That's how we partner with God for speed. Somebody's still here this morning. That's how we partner with God for speed. I'm speaking to you this morning from my heart. From my heart. That's how we partner with God for speed. This is not a, a message from a pastor that wants offering. You know, we don't do that in this church, all right? If we, when we need money, we talk to ourselves and we ask for it. Yeah. Maybe a few weeks down the line, I've been saying it that I'm going to come back and discuss the project. So I'm not doing that this morning. I am telling you what works when it comes to partnership with God. And I want you to hear me well and internalize it. And ask yourself, how, have I, how, how do I show love to my God? When he looks down from heaven, will he see my offerings and my sacrifices? Let me pronounce a blessing over you as I round off this morning. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 20, and I'll read verse 1 to 4. It says, may the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. Oh, I can't hear your amen. amen. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. Amen. May he send you help from the sanctuary. Amen. And strengthen you out of Zion. Amen. May he remember your offerings. 
and accept your bond sacrifice. May he grant you according to your heart desire and fulfill all your purpose. Lift your right hand to heaven and bless the name of Jesus. Listen.